0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 267 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas, and I'm building this episode today around a listener topic suggestion. I had someone slide into my Instagram DMs and ask me to talk about my speed training for this spring cycle as I did that 5K a couple weeks ago, and I've got a 10K coming up in April that's my focus for the spring, and so the question was, how is your buildup, what key workouts are you doing, and how do you think about pacing your races? So that's what I'm going to be talking about today, and I'm excited to welcome my guest to help me do it. I'm welcoming my coach, Coach Kathy Casey, to the show. She coaches our Team Rogue Morning Group in Austin that meets three times a week at 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday, Thursday, and 6 a.m. for our long runs on Saturday. Kathy came to us from SMU, where she was head coach of the women's track and field program there and was at that program for 18 years. We'll talk more about her background once we bring her on, but I wanted to tee up the topic and I'm excited to talk about what my training looks like this spring and help you get to a fast 5K or 10K, perhaps yourself. Before we get there quickly, I wanted to give a shout out to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. The offer that I talk about today in the episode, mid-episode, will actually be expiring within the next couple of weeks. So I would jump on it if you haven't had a chance to take advantage of that Insight Tracker offer yet. But stay tuned for more info in the middle of the show. With that as our intro, let's just jump right in with Kathy. I'll bring her on here and we'll start with her background. Here we go. I'm excited to welcome my coach, Kathy Casey, to the show. Kathy, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. This is my very first podcast, so I am very excited what? to be here.
0: That's yes. amazing. you my your first. first podcast
1: <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, you're gonna be a
0: natural. I'm excited to be your first in that That's context, cool. and we'll give you we'll give you the proper applause, you know, for coming on I the show. It.
1: That's how I'm used to coming in. I appreciate
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> Standing ovation for Kathy Casey. So great. Well, you'll do fine. We're just gonna have a conversation here about. 5K, 10K training, as I mentioned in the intro, one of my listeners asked that question after I talked about my awesome marathon 5K, they said, Hey, what are you doing to prep for this this season of speed that you're in? And let's talk about your training. We'd love to hear about your training and so forth. So like, well, shoot, can't talk about that without getting my coach on the show. So that's why you're here. And we're excited to dig into in this episode, 5K, 10K training and what that might look like and particularly how you think about it. We'll also talk about how that applies in the world of a aging master's marathoner like myself. So excited to dig in. Before we dig in, though, I wanted to get a little bit of context. I gave some in the intro, but would love to get a little bit more context on your background as a coach. First of all, when did you join? Remind me when you joined Rogue. It would have been fall of 2020, I believe.
1: Fall of 2020. Yeah. So
0: So you've been with us doesn't seem that long but
1: i know it's i was and like and wow mallory <laughs> and i were talking about that i was like gosh it seems like it was just yesterday but yeah it's, it's crazy been, yeah been a year and a half i guess so yeah
0: and it's been awesome having you coaching team rogue in the morning for our downtown group we also have a couple of other team rogue groups one in the evening one in cedar park but you coach our team rogue morning group that meets tuesday thursday mornings and then Saturday mornings for the long run. But let's go back on your background. So, how did tell me how you got into coaching?
1: Uh, funny story. Um, I well, I I was a runner. I ran in college. loved running. It's always been my passion. Um, went to college. I had a stint in advertising. Um, advertising world. You know, I wanted to do something that was set my soul on fire. So I actually happened to be on a run, and I my run turnaround point ended up on the SMU campus. And I thought, wow, why don't I, you know, see if I can volunteer here. So I went in and I asked if I could um, help out and uh, spent and they said yes. So I had a lovely husband that um, supported my total career move into following my passion and um, went in there. I volunteered for four years and then um, I was a head cross country coach and then eventually became the um, Overall director of the program. So, eighteen years that I spent at SMU, coaching distance runners, and it was awesome. So, long, long career. Um, and <laughs> so now <you> <laughs> I've in. switched journeys, and now I'm coaching adult runners. So,
0: so you just walked into SMU? What, what, I, what I walked did in. Look like? You just walked <laughs> into where?
1: I looked where the track office was, and I was like, oh. there was a UT connection. So I went in there and just said, introduce myself and said, this is what I want to do. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that's kind of how I go into things. I go in all in. So they're like, I I was seriously talked out of the coach by the coaches are like, are you really want to do this. Like, it's really a passion project here, really. And so said, absolutely. So they they tried many times to get me to say, advertising is great. I'm like, like
0: (laughs) are you sure you want to do this if we're not going to pay you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did it and I loved it. It was amazing changing lives. So I just, I had a blast. So really, really good experience. And
0: you had gone to UT here in Austin. I, did. I ran so. track
1: and cross country at UT.
0: Okay. So, but didn't have any connection to SMU. Otherwise you just literally walked I, in. I literally pulled...
1: was running up the Katy trail <laughs> and said, wow, this looks great. I've heard of SMU. And so I went back and I was like, it would be really great to coach. I love this. I love my, this is running is everything to me. So I went in and said, Hey, teach me how to do this. And uh, I had amazing. great mentors and I, I worked my butt off to learn everything I, and they, they wouldn't put me out there with these athletes. Cause we have really high caliber athletes and, um, they wouldn't, you know, let me do my thing until I, I knew my stuff. So, um, and I'm thankful for that. So that was something that um, once I took over, I, I was like, I was confident that I, I knew what I was doing, and we were going to win. So,
0: that's amazing. So four yeah. years as a volunteer assistant, then cross head cross country coach, then overall program director. Yeah. At at SMU for track and field. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. That journey. Yeah. When you think about your formative. Mentors as a coach in that world, or maybe those that might be connected to that world who who were the big ones, and what did they teach you?
1: Hmm. i um one of my biggest mentors um honestly, was the man who hired me, which was Dave Woolman, and Dave Woolman is actually a um a throws coach and but Dave had this passion for the sport and he had a passion for winning um but he was a throws coach and he had his own thing but he taught me how to the art of coaching which you can read a book all day long but when you really coach a person you have to coach by listening to the athlete you have to coach by looking at them you have to have an understanding of like what makes that person tick and there's an art to it and there's a science and to be a really great coach you have to know the art of it and how to apply things and how to work with your athlete what makes them tick and what's going to make them a champion so I think that that was something that was really um, kind of stood out to me. And um, what else? Also, I got to work with a lot of really great people all over the world. Um, I've had mentors in England, in Norway, in New Zealand. Um, I coached a lot of international athletes, so I got to travel a lot and I would spend weeks just, you know, going over there, sitting at their house and we'd talk. We'd just talk about training. We'd talk about sports and I'd watch how they trained and, you know, at different um maybe I, I went with the Swedish team to the European junior championships and just saw just what they do, what their warmups were like, how they, how they were different, how the Norwegians might be different, how the lydiard system in, in New Zealand was different, um, how the South Africans trained barefoot on grass tracks, <laughs> you know, it was all, all sorts of things. And I feel like I've gotten so much cool experience and so many different viewpoints that it allowed me to kind of form my own viewpoints and take all these little snippets of things and know that there's not one right, one right way to do something, but there's a whole bunch of different ways because all these people were super successful and they all had just different little tweaks on how things worked and how to make great athletes and, um, so I think it's a collaboration of all those mentors, and and I like to read a lot. I don't read a whole lot of other books besides running and training books, um, because I think it's cool. So <laughs> you're a nerd, you're a nerd like me. I like it. I yeah, can, that's I my passion. Remember. So
0: and in parallel to that coaching journey, you were also having your own journey as a triathlete at the Ironman distance. So talk about that and where that started in the equation.
1: Um, that started way back when I was uh, five years old as a swimmer. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. Yeah, so um, I just kind of over time, uh, I was I had was injury prone as a college athlete. So um, I would do something and I'm an all in person. So I would go all in and I'd be injured and then I'd be back. I'd be cross training and be all in. So after a while of an injury cycle, I decided, well, I'm going to do some triathlons and figure out how to make this work. So I did, well, I started off, I did marathons for a while. And then I switched over and just a full triathlons because I love running and it's like what I really want to do, but, um, my body doesn't like it so much especially when I go really long. So now I can go really, really long, but I can just insert all sorts of other things. So my volume of work is really big, but, um, I can still do what I love. So
0: biking and swimming.
1: Yeah. Like swimming some and biking impact. really long ways. So <laughs> yes.
0: So <laughs> how many Ironman distance races have you done at this point?
1: I have done eight Ironmans, eight fulls, and 15 halves and yeah, yeah, and nice. lots of other short distance, but the short distance isn't my jam. So <laughs> I'm the yeah, longer the better, right?
0: I, yeah. I had a brief triathlon phase, and for me, it was all about the longer the run, the better. I never, I never did higher yeah. Man. Oh yeah, but, but I liked the 70.3 distance, and I really liked the sprint distances that happen to have longer runs. So I remember oh, yeah. the best, best race I ever had was a sprint distance, but I had sprint distance bike and swim, and then a 10k run and that's oh, where perfect. i really <laughs> That's
1: perfect well my yeah. husband also does uh the ironmans with me so he's a really good cyclist so i can swim and then he would pass me somewhere on the bike and then i knew i had x amount of time so it would loop so i would pass him on the run and i kind of like would slap him <laughs> on the back and be like see ya go
0: chase him down <laughs> household
1: dominance so
0: i love it and you competed at the 70.3 world championships last fall right in saint george utah mm-hmm. in quite a quite a weather day <laughs>
1: yeah it was pretty pretty crazy stuff but you know you can either take away something negative from it or you can say you know what and me always looking at this as a coach it was like man now i can coach things if it gets really hard on on a swim or if it's really hot on a run and it's humid or it's up a hill or down a hill so i kind of used all those experiences and it wasn't the best day for me i'll be honest but it was such a cool experience um and just being able to be out there and know you can do something so amazing. Um, a cool, cool overall takeaway from it. It's made me a better coach. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I was going to ask that next, because I firmly believe that having your own goals, personal goals as a coach makes you a better coach with, if you're still pursuing <laughs> dreams and parallel to coaching others to theirs. So what have you learned from that Ironman journey that you apply back to coaching your athletes?
1: Oh, my athletes, um, from the moment I started at SMU, they, um, all the way till now, you all inspire me. Um, it's what keeps me going. I, I, you know, see everybody out there working so hard and it's, you know, like, wow, they can do it. I can do it. So if I, you know, like, oh, I don't have time. I can't do this. I have to coach other people. And, you know, I've been asked if it's like, oh, have you been put your other dreams on hold or something? It's like, oh my gosh, I get so much joy from watching y'all achieve your goals. Um, And then it inspires me to do big things because I see you guys out there crushing it. So it's kind of this cool symbiotic relationship that um, we're all in it. And I think, um, you know, just seeing your coach out there also, you know, training hard and getting out there and doing the long runs and all that stuff. It it really is inspiring for other people that are like, especially because, you know, I'm not – 30. (laughs) So, you know, it it, it inspires other people to see that you can still keep going after 40. You can still keep going after your dreams. Your life doesn't have to get put on hold. You can find the time you can do it and set your dreams high. So, but I get inspired by my athletes and I don't know if I would have been as inspired as if I didn't just am immersed in it all the time in my whole career. So
0: here, here to that, it's definitely something that motivates me as well in my own pursuits. Now let's talk about the transition to Austin and to Rogue. You know, we were yeah. fortunate that you stepped away from that role at SMU to move to Austin. And then Serendipity found we found you through a job posting that we were looking for that team rogue coach in the morning group. And so how did that transition happen?
1: Uh, my husband got transferred to Austin. And so um he had supported me so much in my early career that um you know, it was my turn to step up and support him. So um packed up after 18 years at SMU, and it was hard driving down 75 and <laughs> waving goodbye to that lifestyle, because it is a total lifestyle being a college coach. Um, but I knew I wasn't done with coaching. I I love it. Um, So when I saw that there was an opening at Rogue, and, and I went to school in Austin, so I was familiar with you know, the, the running community here and the running, you know, culture. And so it's, a you know, like, wow, this is perfect. I mean, I can get to do what I love and, and I get to get challenged with a new set of athletes. So, um, college athlete athletics is its own beast. And now, um, post-collegiate dreams and hopes and goals and, and master's athletes is a cool challenge for me to take on. So it really, um, was exciting for me to be able to work with a whole new thing and grow as a coach in an area that, um, you know, I could take everything that I had learned over at SMU and kind of apply it and adapt it. Um, And also from my own journey as an athlete. So I just thought it was a really cool, cool fit for me. So and I was also honestly, I was really impressed with just how organized it was how knowledgeable the coaches were. Um, It was just a a good fit. So
0: yeah, we got lucky to find you at a time when we we needed a new coach. And, you, you know, serendipity brought us together. And so you became an Fall of 2020, our Team Rogue Morning Coach for our downtown location, which is the group I train with. So by default, you also became my coach. Yeah. And it's been a fun year and a half, you know, an interesting year and a half, because we had obviously not a lot of racing happening early in your tenure as COVID was shutting down races. Yeah. But now we're seeing the fruits of all of that labor with races last fall, this winter, and then... We've got some more racing this weekend at the Woodlands in uh, Houston area. So it's been, it's been cool to see the payback finally coming from all the work you've been putting in and, and the work the group's been putting in. What's that been like for you?
1: It's been really fun. I think it was crazy when I started just because it was the world was shut down, but, um, the, the cool thing with the group is nobody stopped working. It was like, what can we do? Like, let, let's do time trials. Let's do something. And so um, I think we just kind of, it, it actually became this really cool time that we could just get a whole lot of work done where it wasn't like race, 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 do this, do that. And, and you're in your rhythm because I know um, uh, for me, I, I signed up for the same race every year because it fit with my work schedule and I would do this and then I trained this and my life got into this routine of I'm going to do this race and this is how my, my year goes. Um, but COVID kind of allowed us to do this really cool, like, try different things or maybe do a, um, you know, a base building, a longer base building um, phase or, you know, or something like that. So um, then once we got through all that and then the races started popping up, I just think we all saw our fruits of our labor, that it never stopped. As runners, we kept going, we kept, you know, we, we can run anywhere. So um but I think all that work and just kind of putting the grind in uh, every day um, has been really fun and the payoff, starting with Chicago and Boston and um, Houston and, you know, just just seeing all this CIM, all, the, all those races that we've just recently done um, have been really fun. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a crazy time to start for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been good to see the group just crushing races yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there was so much. So there such a long period without that payback or that real mm-hmm. payback. Obviously we had virtual results and we had certainly training results happening, but to not have those tangible chip timed results was hard to work yeah. through, but, but now we're seeing it and seeing it in spades and also seeing a lot of new members of the group that are just absolutely crushing it in their first marathons and things like that. It's been so, so fun to watch. Yeah. So let's transition to talking about what we're here for, which is to talk about kind of building to a 5k and 10k. I haven't talked about it a lot on, on this podcast because mostly I talk about half marathon and marathon training as my wheelhouse as a coach. We did talk about it back in episode 88, where we talked about what does a race, a race require at these distances, but it's been a while and I'm excited to get back to this. Not only because It's been a while since I've talked about it, but also because it's been a while since I've trained specifically for a 5K and 10K. It's usually always been a part of build to build to a race at a longer distance. And so I started back in January at the beginning of January, really with this build to the cap 10K, which is a 10K here in Austin. That's a big and famous one. It's coming up on April 10th. So we really started that first week in January with a specific dedicated speed block from the from that point to April 10th. It's about 14 weeks. And then I did a 5K, as I mentioned last episode, on February 20th, where I raced at the Austin Marathon 5K. That was about seven weeks into the program as kind of a checkpoint on where I was at that point, an opportunity to suffer in that way, in a way that I hadn't in a while. And then where we'll talk about other prep races that we're looking at potentially before the actual 10 K. But the goal for me with this, as, as everybody knows that I've talked about is just to re-engage the speed side of the equation so that it'll ultimately help me when I'm trying to go back up to the marathon and chase some big marathon goals. But what I want to do with you is kind of just break it down, talk about how you think about a 5 K and 10 K block, especially in the context of the adult athlete. And, and then I want to talk about some specific workouts, talk about prep races, and then talk a little bit about racing strategy. We'll get to that at the end before we wrap things up. But when you're thinking about putting together a training block like this, what are your key principles for it? And then how do you think about structuring it?
1: Well, um, I put together this training block, but I also, I I look at the whole plan. So I look at where where we go in a year. And then I look at moving back. And so what is that, what do we need to work on in this 5K thing, um, this 5K block. So um, coming off of it, um, racing in the fall, had a had a base building where you just did some easy runs. And then that was December. Um, so that's your foundation to your house. And then once we started in January, then, um, we started with, uh, maybe some 5k or uh, some fartlek kind of workouts where we're touching on a little bit of speed. We're doing some float recoveries, um, things like that, just to start touching on paces. Um, and then as, as we kind of just did that for maybe what's. Three or four weeks, and then we kind of move into the next section where we start getting a little bit more specific. So um, we'll do well. Honestly, I also coach to the to the course. So whatever course we've chosen for this block, um, the the Cap 10K has hills on it. So we've added some hills at the at um, or adding hills. We just did those. Um, but I try to each each block, we get more specific. So we started off with the, the base, which is the foundation. Then we start growing, um, kind of touching on pace. We do some broken fart licks. I mean, broken tempos we do. Um, what else have we done anyway? So we, we keep building on that. Um, and each week I touch on something that is a, um, higher volume, which is usually about 10 to 12 K. Then I do a medium volume, which is roughly 8 K, I guess. And then we do our, our easy or our down volume week, which is our short week, which I'll do my higher or speed or my tempos to work on turnover. So we start off and we just, um, we, you get your paces. And then I try to each week, we look at our paces a little bit and see if we're feeling those, if we can start reaching our goal pace. Um, So we've gone above goal pace at goal pace and then goal pace, maybe minus. So um, that's kind of how the whole block will work. uh, Once we get into it. Um, And again, this race has hills on it. So we do have to keep hills in the whole time. I typically like to do hills at the beginning to create the strength. But this is specific for this race. So we're going to keep hills in and touch on them every few weeks, or with our easy runs in there. So
0: yeah, another thing that I've observed in looking at how you've structured things is that obviously we kind of started touching on speed in January to prime the system. And for me, as someone who hadn't been working the system in a while, you know, those runs, those early runs were tough because it was sort of reintroducing some of that neuromuscular stimulation that hadn't had in a while. But then I got adjusted to it in February chunk of time. We also started working specific paces at the high end, but with the longer recoveries to allow the, the system kind of adapt to that kind of pace level. And I would assume that over the next six to eight weeks, we'll be starting to shorten and in, increase uh, the the tension around the recovery so that you're getting less recovery while still maintaining those similar paces. That's
1: right. And we'll also um, play with, you know, if, if you were able to hold it, um, like we did 800s, um, we're able to hold um. 800s, we'll try to hold that pace at a K or a mile and just try to work with paces and rest. As you notice, all the workouts have different rest recoveries. Um, Those rests are intentional so that um, with, with, especially with my 5K, I I really like to have a little bit more rest so you can hit those VO2 max paces. They're uncomfortable and you get enough rest in order to make sure you're hitting paces and feeling what that pain of VO2 max work feels like. Um, so at the beginning, we may start with three minutes and then 2.30, then two minutes rest, kind of um, as we work down into it. Um, some of those key, key workouts, like you had mentioned, um, for 5K work are five times 1K um, with a minute 30. That's a gold standard workout that's, you know, kind of, we'll do that, touch on that a couple times, just so we can see how your fitness is going as a coach. It's a really good fitness indicator of where your speed's at. Um, another thing that I do is I always touch on a little bit of speed. So it may not be like, yeah, this is all in mile, you know, pace workouts where it's, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this as a marathon runner. It's, it's hard. And it, 5k work is kind of scary sometimes. Um, but touching on speed, just a little bit even if it's strides just gets the brain to tell the feet how to turn over and that's something that i think is really important and you've probably seen a lot in my program so um, i do a lot of mixed pace workouts so that we work on different ranges and we work on um over distance at distance and under distance all the time so we're always touching on the different paces so that you're a strong runner and you're a fast runner no matter what you're you're doing the 5k or the 10k
0: yeah. And, and one way you work that in just like on our run today, we had a, essentially a medium long run today with eight times 30 second pickups inside of it with plenty of recovery for, full, full recovery between each one. And that was just a way during that over distance run to get that speed simulation along the way so that it's always alive and fresh.
1: That's right. And it's in the middle of a run. So it's also something where you get a little bit of pickup in the middle of a run and sort of just, The beginning or at the end, so you'll notice that I'll put it either at the middle or you'll do strides at the end. So I try to differentiate where the where the speed happens in runs, so that it works on either running on tired legs or knowing that you can do it in the middle of a run. And in the middle of the run, it actually just makes the whole run a little bit faster without you even noticing that you're doing it, um, which then makes it a medium tempoed run. So,
0: so when you when when we talk about the final weeks. You know, obviously in prep for this, and this 5k in the middle of the cycle, I didn't really taper for it. But in, as you think about the final weeks gearing up for a 10k, whether it be the last week or the last two weeks, what do you do in those final weeks to hone in on race day itself?
1: Um, I like to do very specific workouts for your pace or just under pace. So if we started at pace um, and for me, goal pay, um, when I say at pace, for me, that means whatever you just ran your latest 5k in. So that's your at pace. And then we can start to work down to goal pace, is where we want to be by the end of the season. So if we're here and we start trying to tick off, like if we start the work out of this is where you're at, because where you're at's where you're at. You can pick a number on a chart and be like, I'm going to run a 16 minute 5k. But if that's not really where you're at and you're overtraining, this 5k work is going to get you wiped out, get you injured or whatever. So we work in reality of where you're at. And we just keep trying to increase just a little bit to see, hopefully we keep pulling you down here. um, And as adaptation occurs over each workout um, over the weeks to it. And so by the end, we should be pretty specific and we're doing specific workouts. So for the 10K, 10 to 11 times 1K with a minute 30 rest. um, That's my favorite workout. but i I could i could also um six to seven times a mile um the at pace to goal pace um those are those are great just bread and butter workouts that just kind of get you hardened um some like 2ks and i always think it's kind of funny when i um you would ask me what my favorite workout is and i always used to put it back on my athletes because every athlete to get them really like just believe right before they could run. Some love some 800s. They loved 800s. If I can do 800s all day long, I can go. Others, my, my long distance, you know, real 10K sweet spot and up kind of runners, they would love 2Ks. If I can just do rhythm of 2Ks all day. So, um, I can manipulate whatever distance kind of works for your brain. But as a coach, I love, I love one K's 10 to 11, one K's with a minute 30, I just think is, is easy. You get in a rhythm, you can just start and it helps for monotony, um, where you're doing a lot of reps, um, where your brain has to just go, you have to tolerate. And I think that's something when, um. The workout that that our group did on um, Tuesday with the hills, it appeared to be a short workout. But in in fact, it was a workout that needed to use your brain. We did um, hills, um, but it ended up being 10 to 12, 400 up, 400 back. So um, what it took was it was more about your mental fortitude to just grind it out and say it wasn't overly fast. It wasn't anything. It's about a 10K. It's about grinding it out and using your brain and understanding how to relax and just let it go. Instead of going, Oh no, I have one more and getting (laughs) more anxious. This, this is about just learning how to relax and, and run. Um, and a lot of 10 K work is, is turning off your brain. 5k work is learning how to tolerate pain and understand that it's, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be over really quick So (laughs) for for us long distance runners, still Um,
0: terrifying. Yeah. I, I will say I I did enjoy the 400 hill workout because I'm a grinder. <laughs> that's yeah. that's in my sweet spot and I think it showed but the, but the short and fast stuff is terrifying one case by the way is my least favorite interval just for the record yeah i don't know what it is there's a mental block i have there just it's you know 800s i can handle but something about 1k is just
1: but that's why i always say i put it back if that's the okay so if i say chris that's the workout you're going to do right before the race you'd be like oh i hate that but if we switch it to miles and you're like i crushed that right it's like There you go. And it's, it's the
0: same thing. It's six miles. Yeah. Can we, can we do 800s instead? Uh, I'm kidding. Okay. So, but yeah, so I did want to talk about those, some of those example workouts because I think one thing that's cool about coaching in general is just the creative element and being able to manipulate simple things with the same interval and get very different results physiologically. Before we get to talking about example workouts, though, I wanted to jump into my partnership with Inside Tracker. They are a company that helps you take your blood data, your DNA data, and your fitness tracking data and use all of that information to give you science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes to help aid your performance. I've been using them and coming back from some deficiencies I had last fall to check up on my progress in returning back to full strength with some of my blood values. I've also had them analyze my DNA to look at some of those underlying tendencies that might be affecting my fitness and I've gotten real recommendations from them on how to make some changes, both in terms of my supplementation, but in terms of my diet and the foods that I take in as well. I highly recommend them if you're looking to understand how that underlying information might be affecting your performance. So go check them out. You can go to my personal link, insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. You get 20% off their entire inside tracker store. That includes all of the options available. It's really easy to get your blood drawn. In many cases, they can come right to your house and do it there to make it really simple. And then you get the results within five to seven business days after that. So it's relatively quick as well versus some of the other blood testing you might see out there. For me, it's been a really powerful way to check my progress in coming back to full strength and now I'm feeling myself in this current 5K, 10K training cycle. So that's all good news. So go check them out insidetracker.com tracker.com forward slash running rogue for 20% off. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Kathy. And I want to talk about some sample workouts. And so if I, if, oh, so I wanted to spend just a second here talking about two example workouts where you were using 400 meter intervals, but in very different ways. One example being we did a workout. This was probably a month ago now, eight to 10 times 400 on the track, Mm -hmm. starting at three K pace, working down to mile pace with one minute or sorry, with two minute recoveries. And so really straightforward, 400 meter intervals on the track, you know, going fast, really pressing the limits, but with plenty of rest. And then Tuesday we did 400 meter hill intervals at lactate threshold where you were telling us to time the rest so that we had to get back to the bottom of the hill by a certain time, slower than we, we were running going up, but at an honest effort, coming back down and then repeat. And we did that up to 12 for some, continuous the entire time where you're working and you are recovering and going downhill, but you're keeping it honest. And that's where I noticed some people yo-yoing back when they were struggling with With the keeping it honest on the downhill part after working, maybe the uphill too, too fast, but, but in those situations, you had two workouts. And I want you to talk about the purpose of each one with the same core interval, 400 meters, but very different terrain and very different rest involved.
1: Yeah. So that's the fun part of coaching is that, um, you can can you know a 400 when i you know you, you could make it anything you want so i might have a group of marathoners doing 400s in a completely different way than i would have my 5k group so you guys that day were working 3k to to one mile race pace effort and um and when you tell a distance runner you get two minutes rest between a 400 they're like oh my gosh that's so long <laughs> I, what am i supposed to do with this two minutes um but as I warned you at the beginning, I said, if you are not going fast enough, if you don't need all these two minutes so when you you have to learn how to push a little bit more and find that speed that you have in you and it may take may take a couple of reps. Um, but it's it's and that that workout is one of my favorites because it does teach you how to like kind of figure out how fast you can go um. within your rent, your, your limits. And by the end, I, you know, I was challenging you. I'm like, where, where can we go with this? Can, can we, can we break whatever, you know, get me, give me two more seconds off of that. but then that one's for speed. And then we go over and we, we get on a hill and the, the CAP 10K course has hills. Um, so we're going to have to learn how to grind up and down those hills on an exposition. Um, and that being a 400 meter hill, I chose that because it's roughly a 4 to 6% grade. Um, that kind of hill allows you to still maintain your speed up it at an at a, at a OK speed, which is um, your threshold speed um, and it allows you to get back down and it's not too steep where, um, I, I lose the speed on it. So in an essence, that became almost like a threshold workout, of five miles, um, more or less four to five miles. And so, um, there's still four hundreds, they're still, um, but it works completely different energy systems and um, completely different mental aspects of racing. So um, one was more geared to your 5k speed, mile speed to try to perfect that because to run a good 5k, you're gonna have to get your mile, that kind of pacing down. to run your 10k, you're going to have to be strong, you're going to have to understand how to grind. So, um, but still be fast, and you still got to work all those different things. So um, that's the beauty of those two events as they kind of work in, in cool ways together.
0: Yeah, I loved I loved the hill work I got, I think I got faster with all yeah. both things with the both the uphill and the rest. Yep. as I went, because that's just where I'm good. I can get yeah. in there, I can but, grind and I found a rhythm.
1: That's a cool thing with the group is the group aspect that we have is that that day is your sweet spot and then another day can be somebody else's sweet spot and when you combine all those things that's when magic happens that's when you're in the middle of a group and you didn't realize like i heard people going wow i don't think i can go any faster but then someone else would be like yeah you can and so it just kind of amped people up and did things that they their brain did not think they they could do on the track that day um but the group aspect of it made it just elevate and i just think that that's a cool cool part of it too so
0: Yeah, I agree. And I was doing a lot of those reps with Brittany, who is a teammate and one of our coaches, she coaches our evening group for Team Rogue. She is a miler. She has the speed and I have the endurance that she's working to build as a new marathoner. And so I would push her on the recoveries and she would push me on the uphill. So yeah, I agree. The the group dynamic is amazing. The other thing I wanted to talk about in this section of the discussion about workouts is your use of lactate threshold or tempo work. You clearly love it. And it's a steady diet of both the marathon cycle I did with you last fall, as well as in, you know, it's still incorporated in this 5k, 10k cycle. So talk about your use of that core workout and that core effort.
1: I think tempo work um, you just can make huge gains from and it's something that's um, not super risky. Um, It's something that you can look at and know that you're you're tolerating it a lot better. Um, I can look at my athletes when I when you're doing those loops and I can look at you and say, oh, they're they're pressing. This is a race I can. It gives me a lot of cues as, as a coach. But I think that you just get really big gains from it um, mentally and physically. You you understand how to tolerate pain um, in races. You understand fast paces. Um, that it we we give them in, in four to six mile doses, and um, there there's something that it's like. Um, one of, the, one of the athletes was just like, oh, I just had such a hard time. I was so tight for the first lap. And then all of a sudden I just relaxed and, and I was better and I just kept, you know, I, I was maintaining my pace and I was okay. And those are really good things to practice that, that you're okay. You're going fast in your 10K, um, but you have to, I always say it's relaxed, fast running. That doesn't mean you're slow. It means you learn how to relax your face, relax your shoulders, relax your body. You can shake out your arms and it's gonna allow your legs to Really do what they're meant to do, um, and it just teaches you that on a regular basis. And after that, we may add in a little snippet of speed um, to practice a little bit of turnover. Um, but I think continuous um, effort just below your your threshold deflection point um, is great, and you can also watch that kind of um, improve over time, where you tolerate that. Um, you know, you see it maybe three weeks and maybe six weeks later, you can say, wow, I'm tolerating that a lot easier. That effort was easier for me. Um, and thus will translate into your racing. So I think yeah, you, you get good, big, big gains from, from, um, from threshold work or tempo work.
0: The other thing you, that you always seem to do, even in marathon training is, is tack on some, some cherries on top, some icing on the cake with those types of workouts where we'll do the threshold work, whether that be continuous or we're in broken format and then finish with 30 seconds hard, you know, in short intervals, maybe four to five of those or 200 meter reps at the end just to make sure we're finishing with the fast stuff. Talk about why you do that.
1: Uh, Because I, I always say Kathy Casey's athletes will always be strong and they will be fast. And you will finish fast and you will know that you can finish fast without a doubt in your mind because you have practiced it every day. Um, You know that, you know, you you get done with those. um, We did hill repeats, um, like continuous loops. So they were like tempo, tempo hill loops. And people are like, oh, I'm done. But you were surprisingly good at being able to, you know, do 30 seconds hard with one minute. So when you know that you can run fast on tired legs at the end of a marathon, at the end of a 10K, at, say, say you're looking to that person at the end of your 10K and saying, no, I'm going to beat that person up there. You know, you have one more gear. And so you've practiced that again and again, and again, you always have one more gear. Um, another workout that I do is, is pace changers in the middle of a rep. So, or within alternating pace kind of workouts, these are also to know that you can always go, you have different gears when you run, you're not just a steady robot going in in one direction. So, um, I love I love testing different um, different speeds in, in workouts.
0: Let's talk about long runs in the context of a five k ten k block. How do you think about those?
1: Um, I say that the the long runs you you need to keep your your mileage up. Um, just because you're training for a five k doesn't mean that you shut everything down um you still that's your endurance day that's the day that's your you know you work on long slow distance it gives you the 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 base that you can then you you do little doses of the other speed work in there but that that gives you your good foundation i, I love good long runs um the long runs don't have to be marathon distance long runs but they're you know they're they're up there so um i think we go up right around two hours or so um for our our long run, 16 miles-ish, I think is our long run. So um, for this block. So um, I'm a big fan of keeping the long runs in there. Um, We do, we're touching on workouts with long runs, but most of our primary, um, you know, 5K work, mile work, 10K work, threshold work will be on on our quality days.
0: So, and that's one thing where you've at times prescribed shorter long runs in the context of a 5k, 10k program, at least short for me, when you write 10 to 12 miles on a Saturday, you know, as someone who's used to running 16 to 20 without batting an eye, at times I have to, (laughs) I have to Mm -hmm. talk myself into being willing to only run 10 to 12 miles on a Saturday because, you know, but I also want you to be recovered
1: enough so that, you know if if you're some people um and you recover very very well from long runs but if i give other people a three hour long run on a saturday and they're going to come back and run mile race pace on a tuesday um I, I want you to hit the tuesday workout in this training block down the road i want you to hit saturday's workout so it just flip-flops on the time of year that i want you to hit specific things and this time i want Uh, you to, or whoever to be working on hitting those more race specific uh, workouts for this training block.
0: Yeah. And I've mostly embraced it. Yeah, (laughs) I know.
1: It's it's a hard one. You will.
0: Yeah. Still sometimes I cheat it, but for the most part I've embraced it because I have, you know, for me, this cycle is about speed. And if I'm not accomplishing that component, then I've failed this part of the training block, because I know I can do the big miles. I know I can do that. I know I can do the big long runs. That's not my weak spot. It's the, one mile re- repeats, yeah. one mile pace repeats but, on the but track. You have
1: to challenge yourself to do something scary. And uh, honestly, for myself, 5k work is is the scary stuff. That's the one I have to I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is hard for me because I can do, I think we were talking the other day, I finish a 5k and I'm like, well, I can do that again. I can do that again, you know, but to do it hard, that that's scary. And so we also need to look at the whole thing in a, and what do we need to work on? And we have to, when something's, you know, we're stuck in a rut and we look at it and we have to look at the picture and say, what do what do i need to do to change the rut that i'm in or to make my results different and if that is to improve my speed i'm going to take a step back and i'm going to do this and go all in to improve my speed to the best of my ability and then as a marathoner we're going to look at the next block and we're going to build up so then 5k 10k into a half marathon and then back into our our fun marathon world is where we're happy with and that's okay but it's it's taking the risk and taking the challenge on of of saying like if I wanna be at this level, I have to do this down here to make all these meet in the middle. So, um, and we'll get back to the fun miles in a little bit, but uh, this (laughs) 5K 10K block is awesome. So- Uh,
0: I'm actually enjoying this this block and my miles miles, miles are lower. Typically I've been 50 to 55 Mm -hmm. during this block on my bigger weeks, whereas normally I'm in the 65 to 70 range. So I've embraced that because that's, what I know will allow me to hit those paces you're asking of me on some of those really intense workout days. And I also know that I have 20 years of aerobic development. Exactly. Where when I want to go back and touch on that endurance. I won't have any issue, but it's, it's been too long since I've been running 72 second quarters in a workout, which I did.
1: And that's awesome. And your two (laughs) hundreds, I mean, you're, it's like, but we have to start touching on that and getting the legs to figure out how to fire. And just because, um you know, we're we're over 40, it, it, we have to still work on those things. If we, if we want it to go away completely, you know, it's just like, we have to lift weights to be strong. We're going to have to work on speed if that's where we want to get faster. Um, and it's still there. So that, that's something that you have to work on it though. You can't just say, well, that's, that's too bad. That's not going to work that way. So, um, yeah, yeah.
0: no, it's been great. And I tell you, it is terrifying. I talked about that a couple episodes ago as this is one of my big fears is doing races of this distance because I'm just not used to it. Yeah. As many of us aren't. And yet getting into some of these workouts, i have surprised myself to say, oh, wow, okay, it's still there. And I think as masters athletes, we all have this, this invisible clock that kind of operates like a devil on our shoulder where we think I can't do that anymore because I'm getting older or we think there's some speed time bomb that's going to explode on us and someday we're just not going to be able to do what we ask of ourselves and certainly there is a point at which you you hit limitations
1: Absolutely. but i think it's
0: well beyond what typically we believe it will be
1: yeah and that's why you, you just train and when i say you be the best on best that you can give on that day then that's all you can ask of yourself and and that's why it's like that's then that's where you are. It's not about like, oh, I was here five years ago. No, that's where we're at today. And we're going to start at that point and we're going to get better. And then we're going to get better the next time we do this. And we're going to get better the next time we do this. And you'll see, I repeat a lot of my workouts because I want you to know like, hey, we're, we're, we've we done this. And as adaptation occurs, man, I'm doing things I didn't think possible that were a couple of weeks ago. And that was that's pretty cool to see the fact that you know i started and those paces were hard and then then i did you know 400s and i hit a 72 at the end and man i didn't think i could do that at the at the at the beginning of this um, and who knows where we can go in in a few more weeks and and i just think that that's the cool thing about training is just allowing yourself to kind of be okay with where you are and then we work and, and allow the actual process of adaptation to occur so
0: Let's talk about prep races. So I did one about seven, about midpoint at the Austin 5k, which Mm -hmm. just worked out timing wise that that was going to be good, very unique course in that it was a mile and a half uphill, mile and a half (laughs) downhill. So I had to approach it in a unique way, but that was a a good for me, mid middle of the road checkpoint to see where I was at. Also an opportunity to learn, to suffer in that way. That will help me when, when I do the 10k, we've talked about doing another prep race Mm It, before the 10K, another 5K in a few weeks. I'm actually looking at the one at at one at the end of March, about two weeks out from Cap 10. So, I wanted to see if that made sense to you. But how do you think about those build races in the context of building to a 10K?
1: Um, I love build races. I love uh, for my 10K. You know, if that if that's what you're going for, um, the 10K. I like two 5Ks. In- in between or before it, because the first 5k is going to be your Rust buster that's going to be the one where we figure out wow I haven't raced a 5k in a while i'm going to get out there i'm going to see where i'm at. And then we go through a different a little bit of a some weeks of a training block, and then we know how to do this, we know what the feeling is going to be like out there it's going to hurt and so we that is already in our brain that I have to go there. Um, and we've done workouts where you've had to go there or more workouts. And so if we can get this 5k and that pace, that hurt starts to feel okay. Then when we move to the 10k, um, for your, your a race in the cycle, that those paces, the 10k pace, isn't going to feel as bad to you. Um, because not only have we been training just for the 5k, um, we have workouts that are, you know at your threshold pace we have your long runs we have your easy runs all those are training you to be strong so the 10k is a strength endurance event so that once we we learn how to understand um, how to race at vo2 max and we train take all these pieces and parts together of the puzzle and then we put them together um for our 10k race at the end so i love the idea of doing another 5k um, and I think that that's, that's only going to set you up for success because I think if we only choose one race to do and that all of our eggs are in that one basket with, with 5k, 10k work marathon and other stuff, that's a different, um, talk, but for 5k, 10k, you need a little bit of, of something to kind of help you get the hurt and get your rhythm of your racing. When you've been doing marathons for so long, um, marathons are about ticking off paces and long and just going forever um and that's just not the case for for 5ks these are these are speed for marathoners so um and 10k is just gonna kind of put them all together so
0: yeah you gotta learn to suffer in a different way and there's a physical part of that there's also a mental part yeah and like i said on this uh, podcast i was terrified of the 5k it wasn't as bad as i thought it would be it never is right We, we built we always build it up to be something and at the end i thought i was slowing down in the final stretch but i wasn't uh to the finish so so that was a good primer and we'll have another one is a two weeks out is that about right for that last one or what do you like to see yeah
1: two to three weeks i think it is fine um and you recover really easily um 5ks don't take much recovery so it, it's it's just a it, think of it as another really good workout um mentally and physically to prepare you for and all it is is prep for your 10 K. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a good option. So
0: the other thing about it that I think about as a way to deal with my anxiety and fear about that distance is that it's a no lose, you know, in these prep races. And I think it applies really regardless of what distance you're, you're gearing up for, but if you're doing a build race with your a race down the road, you're just You're just going to experience it and learn. You're not, you don't need any outcome. And ultimately, you know, I had a plan for the Austin 5K. I'll have a plan for the next 5K, but it doesn't matter, so to speak, exactly what the time on the clock says at the end. There's no pressure. It's just about, hey, go give it your best, execute as well as you can, suffer as well as you can, and then take your lessons and move to the next. So you can really run them in a way that you can just take the pressure off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can work on different aspects of your race. If, you know, if, you need to get out harder or if you need to, you know, in, in some people's case, most people's case, they need to go out slower. You know, there, there's different aspects technically of, of racing that you can work on and say, no, after, after a three and a half K, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, and that's in your head that that's where you're going to try to try to start to make your move. Um, and that way, when you do different five Ks, you can start working on that. So then when you get to the 10 K and then you have that all the different aspects of your racing that we're going to put together on your, on your 10 K. So, um, but again, in training, we're working on every aspect of that 10 K race. Um, these five K's are just cool checkpoints, um, to, to work on all aspects of your, ultimately your 10 K.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about race strategy now. And we'll start as a baseline by talking about on flat, assuming flat five Ks and 10 Ks for a moment, the races, the race I did, the five K was not flat. Yeah, 10 K is not flat. So that has its own unique wrinkles, but for flat five K and 10 K races, what do you typically recommend for race strategies?
1: Um, for five K I usually say, get out within the first hundred meters and then start settling into your, your pace. Um, because you can, you have about a, 20 to 30 second window where it's not going to just totally um, make your legs lactic. So you get out and then start to say, you know, if people are shooting around you, you maintain your pace. You just get into your world, you know, where your your goal paces. You may be slightly above it. Um, start working um, each, you know, you can take it into half mile um, sections. However, your brain likes to do it. Some people like to do miles. Some people like to do case. Some people like to wherever, whatever chunk that your brain will think. Um, and typically after 4k and start working it down and whatever you got left on the on the last section of it for 10 k's. 10 k's are about rhythm, I can spot my 10 k r- runners uh, a mile away, they are the people that have just that that rhythm, they can tick off whatever their pace is. they just start getting in this rhythm you get out. Not too fast in control, I say fast controlled, and then you start just getting in a rhythm and the last maybe 2k you start making your move.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, the, the important thing to note is that both race distances should be relatively evenly split, assuming mm-hmm. a flat course, a, fat, a flat course, sorry, because that's what's optimal for that distance. If we're doing a half or a full, we always recommend typically running a negative split race because you want to build into it, let your body warm into it. But in these races, they're so short, you can't do that. You got to get out and get on it. Yeah. And I think especially with the 5k and you have to be a little bit aggressive at the very outset, just to make sure you get out at an honest 5k pace. And that for me is something I struggle with. You know, I don't struggle with going out too fast. That's I'm, I'm a King of being able to manage my effort, negative split, especially in the longer stuff. So for a 5k, I have to make sure I don't slip into that rut where I'm going too slow at the beginning. So I have to over index a little bit in that first mile to make sure I get out at an honest effort. Then settle into a rhythm for that second mile, and then bring it home as well as I can in the final mile.
1: Yep. So every athlete is different on what their strengths and weaknesses are, and that's um, that's just something that that's that's why these lead-up races are are super important, just to practice different aspects of racing and what what you need to work on. So.
0: Yeah, and the hilly five k was even more challenging because we yeah. essentially had a flat half mile, climbed for a mile, about sixty-five feet, turned around at the midpoint went downhill for a mile and then had a flattish final half mile. And so I actually chunked it up in my head in half mile increments, essentially. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't, I didn't actually look at my watch in the race. I had laid out a plan on paper beforehand of trying to get out in 540, something climb in 550, something come back down in five thirties. And then finish fast which i was able to execute actually exactly without even looking at my watch just because i knew the effort i was trying to go at each section but i would say on a hilly course you then just have to account for the terrain and just make sure you're being smart and prudent and cap 10 is the course that's like that too you start out uphill for the first mile it's not a big hill but it's a gradual climb for the first mile then you got rollers until about mile four The last two miles have some flat and downhill sections, but then you've got a a climb again in the final half mile. So it's, it's a unique, those are unique circumstances and you have to make adjustments for that terrain because it's going to affect your pace.
1: Yep. But a flat course is figuring out where you can go. And that's what this, (laughs) that's what this section's about. This, this little 5k, 10k block is about is figuring out where we can go with it. And there's no right or wrong answer. Um, let's, let's go for it and see where, where we can go.
0: Yes. So as we wrap here, I want to talk about your perspectives on me in the context we've talked a little bit about throughout, you know, uh, throughout the program about how you're, you're thinking about applying this in for my specific training, but would love to get a few nuggets as we wrap on how you think about individualization in the context of my background as a runner, my goals as a runner to make sure that we use this as a launch pad to go chase some big goals in the marathon.
1: So that's what I like. I, I enjoy figuring out and that's why, um, after I've been here for a while, I've really gotten to learn the different runners that I coach and, um, again, every runner has a strength and weakness and and things that we need to look at. So when I look and I say, Chris, what's your A goal? And so the A goal is over here. And so then we start to work backwards from the A goal. Where do we want to achieve? And what do we need to do different to make this outcome of this A goal where we want it to be? And so um, with marathon training, um, it's kind of a reverse. of if if someone was just a pure 5K athlete, we would start with a big volume block and then we, kind of narrow it down into into specific for for their race but this is we're flipping it and so we're having a block of 5k 10k work it's probably going to morph into a half marathon work towards the end and then it's going to go into full marathon training um, this this is what what we need to work on if you are an athlete that was running maybe 20 or 30 miles a week and we weren't hitting our goals and they came from a you know a 800 mile or background in college um, hey we might need to do something else and so that's why we have to look at it specific for each individual athlete and figure out their needs but i work everything back from the from an a goal so all these races racing is great because racing gives you little checkpoints and it allows you to work on different aspects putting it all together um for your for your marathon so um some of the greatest marathoners, they went to Olympic trials, then they went and said, oh, I'm going to run a 10k on the track. Um, You should be able to have the the strength and the speed to do both. And that's why we're going to work on this and then marry it into your ultimately your marathon goal at the end. So but um, in your case, I think the speed and trying to get those times down is going to help translate into where we want to go come winter, wherever um, for marathon season. So um, but somebody else i would say hey this maybe this is your your block to start to get your volume up we can start to do different things to help you adapt better um i you know you know there, there's just depends on the athlete but that that's the cool thing about the art of coaching is that you have to figure out your athletes and what's happening in the races that they might've done up to this point, and then kind of be creative and say, all right, here's what we're going to work on. You're, you're in this group. And as you noticed, I, I give like three different workouts for people and it's kind of chaos sometimes, but everybody needs to work on some different things. And, and I think that that's, what's important is that, um you know, at the NCAA championships, there were 255 women on the line um, that I would coach. Everybody got there a different way. Everybody needed different things. There were milers there. There were 10 K runners there but um, they were all really fast. So it's about figuring out what, what's best for that athlete and getting them to their eight goal. Yeah.
0: Well, it's been, it's been a pleasure working with you and we're definitely working the speed right now because I need it Yeah, and I'm excited about it. I've actually it, make you fast. it. I'm actually enjoying it much more <laughs> than I expected and responding to it in a way that's fun to see. So it's been good, but yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really run a fast 5k in probably 15 years. So we uh, we were ripping off some or working through some serious rust on these 42 year old legs. But it's
1: been but that's what's super fun about this, too, is that you get this block of doing something that's totally outside your wheelhouse and it gives you something different. And it kind of freshens up the, the you know, if, if you get in this routine of just. You know running the same race the same thing um you've got to kind of freshen it up and do something that's outside your comfort zone to make you push you to that next level and and i think that this is great so
0: love it and it's been awesome having you as a coach not only because i think our team environment is thriving but also just individual guidance has been amazing so thank you kathy you're you're a rogue through and through at this point 18 months in, which is great (laughs) But but thanks for coming on and for sharing your thoughts on 5k 10k training. Hopefully we answered questions for everybody out there. If you have others, feel free to email me, Chris at com, and we'll follow up and get those answered because we could probably talk about this all day and still not hit everything in the context of this topic. Right. But thank you, Kathy, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So there you go, Kathy Casey, my coach, talking about our 5K, 10K block for this spring. Hope you enjoyed that and got some insight on it. If you have questions, feel free to shoot me an email, chris at roguerunning.com or slide into my DMs on Instagram at roguechris. You can also take advantage of our offer from the show, insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue for 20% off. But that offer is expiring soon, so jump on it. Otherwise, you can check us out at roguerunning.com where you could sign up for groups like Kathy Coaches, Team, Team Rogue, or you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.